Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Friday, the 21st of October. And first up, Elon Musk confirms he will fire 75% of Twitter staff. Employees rage and mainstream media cries loss of censorship. 5,000 out of the 7,000 employees set to be terminated at Twitter? This is quite shocking. Uh, as a percentage, obviously, uh, 75% of uh, the current Twitter staff will be laid off uh, when Elon takes over, which is... That's, that's insane. 5,500, something like that. 5,500 employees gone. The employees are predictably seething uh, about it. But like... I would suspect uh, <laughs> I would suspect that they're uh, not feeling very good today. Um, essentially a quote skeleton crew of just 2,000 employees left with which experts say is not enough to deal with misinformation. Well, once you actually define misinformation, uh, I'm pretty sure you don't need 5,000 employees. Is that how many employees Twitter is using to police quote-unquote misinformation which is a definition that changes every day quote when you realize you're the 75 percent twitter employees seethe following elon musk's vow to fire three-fourths of the company's workforce after the billionaire admitted he is quote paying too much in the 44 billion dollar deal twitter employees took to social media site they fear they will be laid off from thursday night after documents emerged showing that elon musk plans to cut the workforce by 75 percent Corporate documents obtained by the Washington Post reveal that the billionaire told prospective investors in his $44 billion deal to buy the social media giant that he plans to get rid of three quarters of its 7,500 workers. I mean, I'm not sure how he could confidently say that unless he truly understands the in, inner workings of the company. That would be a, a unprecedented cut. 7,500, what is he going to just keep engineers on? That's it, I'm guessing. He'll get rid of all the trust and safety team and all this stuff. I, I mean, yikes. That would leave the company with just a skeleton crew of over 2,000 employees, which experts say would make it difficult for the social media company to tamp down on what it deems misinformation. Well, if they're going to actually define misinformation as what it truly is, that's actually a pretty small and manageable amount of content to deal with. Plus in a world of AI and bots, which we clearly know are an issue, uh, pretty sure that you could manage this algorithmically as opposed to having human intervention on everything. Now a number of employees are expressing their fears that they may be one or more, that they be one or more of the 5,000 laid off in the company Gene Ross, a staff designer for the social media giant, took to Twitter Thursday night to ask if anyone is looking, if anyone is looking for a below-average generalist. Well, it sounds like the type of job that Elon Musk would cut. Well, Patrick Zapla, Zapla a product manager, asked if they would go off and start a new Twitter together. Parker Lyons, a senior financial analyst for Twitter, also tweeted a series of memes upon hearing the news, including a tweet reading, when you realize you're the 75%, with a clip of Magic Johnson shaking his head and saying, I'm not going to be here. He also tweeted a picture of NBA star Russell Westbrook earning 136 points, 112 rebounds, 118 assists in a single game, captioned, 
the remaining 1,900 employees. Well, Russell Westbrook can't put the ball in the hole right now, so it's probably not a great meme. Uh, the quotes are wild. Y'all don't care about me. Like, nervous laughter. So is anyone looking for a below-average general? No, people don't care about Twitter employees. And, you know, look, my guess is 80% of the people that work at Twitter are normal, like, non-ideologically insane people who just want to do their job, make good money, and uh, and produce a good product. The other 20%, the, 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 the group of, you know, pro-censorship lunatics that don't enforce the rules evenly, that don't verify accounts evenly, that uh, don't enforce bans evenly, that's the stink on you. It's not your fault, but it's just the way it is. Matt Walker, product designer for Twitter, meanwhile, went off on Musk and former CEO Jack Dorsey in a series of tweets. Thursday night writing, every decision Jack has made has gotten to us, us to this point. He also tweeted that the common thread between the news of MailChimp CEOs writing an email that pronouns do more harm than good and Musk's planned layoffs is billionaires are a-holes. In his final tweet, Walker wrote that he was doom scrolling on the very source of the doom. A finance advisor for the company, meanwhile, asked if anyone cared about her, while Steph Young, a designer, simply tweeted, sigh. Musk's plans would be to cut far more jobs than Twitter current management had been planning to lose, the effects of which could be massive. But it would provide Twitter's leadership with a way to save face and avoid announcing layoffs to one quarter of the workforce when they were already planning to reduce costs. The company spent a whopping $1.5 billion on personnel last year and had wanted to reduce that amount to $800 million. So that's roughly half. Management also planned to make major cuts to its infrastructure, getting rid of data centers to keep the site functioning for more than 200 million users daily. Twitter executives, though, have denied any layoffs, with general counsel Sean Edgett telling employees on Thursday to expect tons of public rumors and speculations as the closing of the deal is near. Since the merger agreement has been in place, there has been no plans for company-wide layoffs, he told Bloomberg. The reported cuts come as Twitter continues to advertise its 266 jobs on LinkedIn, and the Tesla CEO lawyers are ironing out the paperwork to complete the bio by October 28th. He has said he had paid too much, com- too much for the faltering company. Experts say users would immediately feel the effect of massive job cuts Musk is proposing. Edwin Chen, a data scientist formerly in charge of Twitter's spam and health metrics, who now is a CEO of content moderation startup Surge, uh, Surge AI, said that while he believed Twitter was overstaffed, the cuts must, Musk propose are unimaginable. He said that they would put Twitter users at risk of hacks and even exposure to offensive materials. Oh, please. All these people are freaking out essentially because they're losing control. There isn't a single person out there who isn't, who, who, who isn't for more freedom on Twitter. Now, if you're going to pull out the CP thing and say, oh, well, it's going to be this, that's pretty pathetic. By the way, Twitter supports that the way it is already, doesn't it? It would have a cascading effect where you'd have service going down and multiple remaining not having institutional knowledge to get them back up and being completely demoralized and wanting to leave themselves, Chen told the Post. But Nell Minow, a corporate governance expert, said that Tesla CEO is likely just shopping ambitious plans to potential investors and will have trouble following through with those proposals. He's got to be able to show he can make those cuts. What happens next, she asked, rhetorically. What's he going to replace it with? AI? Yes. I mean, right? That's exactly what he'll do. 
So, I mean, do I think that he's going to lay off 75% of the staff day one? No chance. I also suspect that he won't be making any company-wide cuts maybe this year because he isn't inside the company. He doesn't have people he trusts inside the company. So he can't just like from the outside be indiscriminately firing people. So, I mean, if you work at Twitter, I think you're safe for us at least the next six months, four to four, two to four months, I'll say. He's not doing anything this year yet, probably. By the time he would actually take over, which would be next week, Friday at this rate, what, we're already into November? How long is it going to take to assess who can stay and who can go? You're talking about major, major, major um, di just discovery and research to figure out what you can cut, what can't you cut. Obviously, he could, if there really is thousands of people working on content moderation, that would be an easy cut. But, I mean, it's like... 75% and nobody cares, by the way, you see all the, we'll call that a good start. That will leave the company with just 2000 employees, which I would say isn't enough to tamp down on misinformation. Lol. I think that's the point. Who is an expert on how many employees it takes to appropriately censor people? Question mark. You know, and, and you know, quite on, quite honestly, they, the definition of misinformation is created by, and is a liquid term. Uh, created by the establishment, so mainstream media and Silicon Valley themselves. It's it's not misinformation when Hillary Clinton questions the results of certain things, but when Donald Trump does, it's misinformation. It's not. It's. I mean, there's d dozens of examples of Democrats questioning, you know, certain results. Nobody nobody calls them anything. Nobody bans them off Twitter. You know, it's a double standard, and that's what people want. You know, like that. That's the thing. People want things to be fair. If he's really going to cut 5,000 employees, um, that's going to be a massive cut. I just don't, I just don't see it unless the company is just so full of bloated internet hall monitors. I mean, it's possible. What if their misinformation department is like three, 2000 people, right? You just cut it, cut it completely and enforce the terms of service. That's the thing. Just enforce the terms of service and you can cut all this bloat. I mean, 75% of Twitter staff. I'm actually really surprised that he hasn't um, come out to dispute this because I, I just don't think that that's going to be good for company morale either. You know what I mean? Like he needs these people to still, oh, oh, he just did reply. WhatsApp had 35 engineers for 450 million users and grew to the team of 50 for 900 million. Twitter cutting to 2,000 employees from 7,500 is, quote, not a skeleton staff. And next up today, Ethan Klein just got banned from YouTube and has an epic meltdown about Ben Shapiro on the H3 podcast. Well, 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 if it isn't Mr. Consequence Culture himself receiving just a little bit of said consequence... Ethan Klein has been suspended slash banned from YouTube for a period of one week for his, I believe, third strike in the last year, or at least second for sure. He had one five months ago for fantasizing about somebody uh, going down to a convention of people he didn't like and doing something very terrible. And predictably, his meltdown has been a chef's kiss. I am for, obviously you know, freedom, freedom of speech. And, you know, when push comes to shove, 
you know, I would back Klein in this. Um, the reason it feels that thing you're feeling that that little bit of guilty pleasure you're feeling is because he himself has been pro deplatforming. Um, this guy uh, was at the forefront of demanding uh, several times in the past year of people being deplatformed, including Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is not somebody that I roll with. I don't really get down with his content, but again, he had a right to exist. But Ethan Klein celebrated his banning, demanded it, in fact. And um, so when, when stuff happens like that, when karma comes back for you, um, I just really don't care. You know, I, it's not like I flagged the video. It's not like if, if, YouTube, if YouTube had asked me what I thought about it, I would say, you know, don't, don't strike the video down. But they did. And uh, Ethan has been absolutely melting down on Twitter ever since blaming it on everybody except himself, which is typical of somebody who is a, uh, a grown adult. Oh wait, no, that's the opposite of that. It's actually not typical for that. Ethan Klein says a few white supremacists successfully lobbied YouTube to suspend me. Now, I would ask Ethan Klein who that is. Who exactly is he calling this vile thing? Um, you know, I didn't, is he calling Ben Shapiro that? I, I don't think Ben Shapiro lobbied for him to be uh, suspended. I didn't lobby for him to be suspended. I thought, you know, it was a spicy take, but I didn't really think that uh, Ethan would ever be suspended. And it's funny now, now he's going to bring up his dual citizenship. You know, this is only important now. It's the only time he ever brings it up. But a Jewish dual citizen of Israel and USA for anti-Semitism. That's actually not why he was banned, as far as I know, unless the strike said that. I'm pretty sure he got banned for wishing horrible things on a fellow creator. Uh, it's probably just a standard, you know, um, community guideline strike. Ben Shapiro and friends can virtue signal all they want, but ultimately, they are the ones platforming dangerous anti-Semites. All I did was point it out. No, 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 you actually did not. That isn't all you did, Ethan. And the fact that this has 75,000 likes tells me that your followers are absolutely brain dead. That isn't what you, you did not get struck for pointing that out. You got struck for saying that you had hoped Ben Shapiro would quote unquote, get it first, right? That's why you got struck. You did not get struck for pointing out that you believe he platforms quote unquote, dangerous anti-Semites. I'm not sure who he's talking about there. Candace Owens, I think is who he's saying, but I know he's smart enough to not mention names here so he doesn't get sued. Ben Shapiro, who is happy to perform a purity test on me and declare me a bad Jew for criticizing Israel, hosts Candace. Um, Hitler just wanted to make Germany great again. Owens on his website. I uh, don't think she said that. Uh, maybe. I don't know. He constantly is excusing and enabling and platforming real anti-Semitism. That's just incorrect. I mean, I think he's spoken up pretty directly about Kanye West and his comments lately. The joke that I was suspended for simply points out that Ben, who is desperate to be accepted by his Christian nationalist friends as white, again, what a vile thing to say. First of all, he obviously doesn't know that. He doesn't know Ben Shapiro. Um, I don't know who he's talking about as being Christian nationalist. Um, I think Ben Shapiro is pretty proud of his Judaism. Um, I don't think he tries to hide that. I don't think any, you know, this is just, this is just lies. Uh, will ever be seen by he will only ever be seen by them as a useful idiot and sadly for him a Jew 
again, so in this meltdown, he's calling Ben Shapiro's friends, you know, anti-Semitic. The people reporting me, accepting Ben, are tiki torch carrying white Christian nationalists. I thought they were white supremacists. I guess that's similar to say. I, I don't know. They don't give an F about these things or Jewish people. They revel in the fact that YouTube and other institutions are so quick to act on bad faith and malicious outrage. Boy, I mean, if only you didn't say, I really hope this guy, something really, really bad happens to this guy. If only, if only we could figure out, if only we could figure out why this is happening to you, Ethan. It's everybody else, right? So you didn't say anything wrong. And again, I, if he says it was a joke, I don't see the joke, but I'm not going to say it isn't. It sounds to me like he was just fantasizing about it, hoping it would happen. That's not really a joke. It's a statement. But, I mean, if he says it was a joke, I mean, just because it's not funny doesn't mean it's not a joke. They are currently the greatest beneficiaries of cancel culture. Are you kidding me? Again, this is coming from a guy that, like, just a few weeks ago is demanding the deplatforming of another content creator that, because he didn't like his opinions. It's incredible that they become the party of free speech while decrying and lobbying for my deplatforming. I mean, again, if only Ethan Klein could have stopped Ethan Klein from breaking terms of service. I, unlike many who would diminish me as woke, oh, you're woke, my friend, have spent hundreds of thousands, I mean, of donate other people's money, right? Now, you did say you spent a bunch of your money on top of that, which I believe. But let's not forget that you had your FUPA for Freedom account that was not only supposed to fund your lawsuit, but help other people, an account I donated personally to as well. So let's not forget that you raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for that lawsuit, okay? Um, and I'm happy you did it. But again, you fighting against fair use has nothing to do with you saying that fair, your fair use lawsuit doesn't have anything to do with this. And again, your current loss is Ryan Kavanaugh. Again, has nothing to do with this. I support you against him. And then Ben Shapiro responds to this. I do not believe Ethan Klein should be suspended from YouTube for his awful garbage. But I'll shed no tears for a person who is routinely engaged in cancellation of others. World's smallest violin. I mean, I don't know if you could... I don't know if I 100% agree with Ben on this. I'm not sure, like... Ethan Klein, like disavowing Jordan Peterson, I'm not sure that he's he's saying he has to be deplatforming. He just deleted his videos, um, so I don't know. That's kind of a miss there. But Ethan, he should have used Andrew Tate as a better example because he's like directly campaigned for his deplatforming. Um, he's also directly campaigned against some content creators whom he does not like sponsors, right? With Keemstar and G Fuel and things of that nature. These are tangible, better examples. Um, and now he just, I mean, he just can't, I mean, his Twitter, he's just been like molding all day, you know, this is incredible tweet, Ben. Um, now please answer my question. Why do you platform and enable known anti-Semites like Candace Owens? I don't know that you could prove that. Has she, I, I, I'm genuinely coming from a place on ignorance in here. I don't know if she said anything like this. Has she? I feel like that would have been front page news everywhere, right? Of course, DeSerto, Ethan Klein claims white supremacists are to blame for his YouTube ad. How do you know that? You don't know. When your videos get flagged, they just get flagged. 
at, at no point is he able to connect the dots between these people and him getting banned. Here's Newsweek. Ethan Klein blamed banned after saying Ben Shapiro should be something, you know, terrible should happen to Ben Shapiro. He also called himself the king of the Jews. You know, again, a joke. I'm not offended by that, but people who are religious may have been offended by that. I don't really think that anybody, I think that Ethan is really, really, really struggling with having any sense of personal responsibility as a grown man, nearly 40 with kids. Um, it's, it's, I don't know what, you know, how you, how you grow up anymore. I mean, he's almost 40. Um, you know, I, I just, you just broke YouTube terms of service, you know, and this is consequence culture as Ethan Klein would say. Uh, but he doesn't understand any of it. He doesn't take any responsibility. And so therefore he will continue to uh, make the same mistakes that he made uh, with the NRA comment five months ago with this comment. And then around Christmas, he'll say something again as soon as his strike expires. And then he'll say, oh, it's everybody else's fault but mine. Oh my God. You know, I'm, oh, I have mental health issues. I'm working on this. And uh, oh my God, it's everybody else's fault but mine. Just, you know. Oh gosh, if only, if only someone hadn't put those words directly in my mouth and forced me to say them. Oh, this, the white supremacists are at it again. I think that Ethan Klein could still do a lot of good in this world, but he chooses to do, uh, be, he chooses, he chooses to do evil, quite frankly. Uh, I really hope he gets help. Uh, I hope that he, um, you know, I've been saying this for like a year. I used to look up to the guy. I used to love his content. And, um, and I'm not even one of those people like, oh, I miss the old H3, you know, per se people change, people grow, people are allowed to, you know, do that, but it is pretty, it's pretty sad just how full of hate he is. Um, and it's just not healthy for anybody to be that hateful. So maybe this week off will provide him some perspective. I mean, the guy's got half a dozen people working for him. Maybe you should be considering keeping them employed instead of just having to say the self-sabotaging stuff. And next up, Amazon reveals huge Rings of Power ratings drop, gets passed by House of the Dragons and Writer's Rage. New ratings out for Rings of Power. It's frustrating that the ratings are like, we're getting like the fourth episode ratings and the finale was over a week ago now, but we have a clearer picture and what I suspected to be happening, it looks like it is happening. And a backtrack from Amazon writers coming out and saying that actually, no, we are not going to listen to fan criticism about the show and season two will ignore feedback, which is odd because I thought they spent a billion dollars on this show and they probably wanted it to be successful. They probably wanted all these YouTube content creators creating positive videos about it. Like you see with, uh, in my own community here, the channels happy to discuss house of the dragon in a positive manner, but I guess they want to double down on being terrible, which is a bold strategy cotton to be sure. Now, first Lord of the Rings season two, I'm sorry, rings of power season two will not address fan feedback, say creators. Creators J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay explain why season two will not incorporate any of the feedback from fans. Debuting on Prime Video last month, Rings of Power chronicles the rise of dark forces of Middle-earth 
During the Second Age, the series which is based on the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, we all know what Rings of Power is. Why are you just padding this article? The season one finale to Rings of Power features a number of exciting revelations, including the revelation uh, that Halbrand is Sauron himself. We all knew that uh, from the beginning. Not only that, but it was revealed that the stranger is an Istar, uh, of course, a wizard, of course, Gandalf, the same race as wizards like Gandalf and Saruman. Um, despite many aspects of season one proving generally popular, Rings of Power had been the subject of intense debate online, with many fans not liking how Pat, uh, Payne and McKay have adapted Tolkien's source material. Rings of Power currently holds an 82% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but some critics have pointed out the show's pacing and narrative momentum has room for improvement. I think, like, if you fix those two things, pace and dialogue, uh, it's an 85, 86. You know, it loses 10 points, maybe 15 points to some by being disrespectful to token lore or ignorant of token lore or just ignoring it altogether. But what they say in a recent interview with Vulture, creators J.D. Payne and Matricade discussed their approach to fan feedback in a heading into Season 2. While acknowledging that Season 2 will incorporate many of their own learnings from making Season 1, fan feedback hasn't necessarily factored into their approach. Interesting. Quote, we're certainly listening to the critics and to our audiences. You don't want to give any one voice too much weight, but figure out what people are responding to in aggregate. I don't know if I want to, to point to any specifics. Patrick says, my immediate reaction to that question is no. Not that we aren't paying attention to the response to the show's having. I don't know how you could shut it out. But the second season has been written for some time now, and the storytelling grows and goes in different directions. That is informed by what we learned on season on, on season one on our own. There are things that seemed that seemed to work really well, and others that didn't work as well. The storytelling will be different next time, not because of the response of the show, but because of the experience of us making the show for us. What a condescending, fart sniffing answer that is, isn't it? Going on to say, he's saying essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, we know that critics don't, you know, people didn't like it, but we're not ignoring, we are, we're making the show for us, for us, not for the fans. Let me read that again. Not because of a response to the show, but because of the experience of making the show for us. Now, maybe he's not saying making it for us. Maybe he's saying we learned this, you know, we experience, we learn these things in season one. You know, I don't. I think that there is, if you're a creative person too, there is some value in saying like, you know, not like knee jerk bending to every little complaint about things that I understand completely. But also uh, when you uh, want to say like, we're just ignoring it and we hear it, but we're not paying attention to it. We don't care about it. I don't think that really lends itself to one, ingratiating yourselves to the Tolkien fans uh, that are upset with the show. And two, actually making the show any better. If they had taken the time to say, talk about how, hey, you know, we hear you, we hear the, we hear the feedback, and like, you know, we're definitely t taking it into account, kind of thing. Like, you know, not every piece of feedback is is you know part of it, but I think you know we really want to make a good show for the fans and for for um, Tolkien's legacy. I think that would have been a much better answer instead of like. Uh, we're not really listening to it. Um, and then you see these ratings come out on October 20th. 
Dahmer dominates Nielsen US streaming chart as House of the Dragon passes Lord of the Rings. Dahmer had already been anointed as the second biggest Netflix series in history based on the company's own data. Dominated Nielsen's US streaming chart for the first week of September 19th through 25th. The Ryan Murphy produced series, whose full name is But Don't Care, pulled in more than 3.6 billion minutes of viewing. That actually puts it in perspective when we were talking about like, now it is like seven, uh, seven episodes, six or seven episodes. So they had, and it's all released at once. So you're kind of able to binge more of it. So there's that factor. But when Lord of the Rings dropped two episodes, which was about three hours, which is the length of about three of the seven episodes on down, maybe there's only six, um, you know, it's, it's not like that crazy different. Netflix captured eight of the 10 slots on the overall list, but HBO Max's House of the Dragon and Prime, Prime Video's Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power finished third and fourth. HBO's Game of Thrones prequel, which has been a massive draw across all platforms, leapfrogged rings into the number three spot, collecting just north of one billion minutes viewed only on HBO Max, which means they have many more minutes viewed on their cable network as well. Rings was close behind with 977 million minutes, though J the J.R.R. Tolkien adaptation had one episode fewer than its fantasy competitor, a fair, fair criticism. On the other hand, vagaries of Nielsen's measurement scheme mean that one Dragon episode only has three hours counted each week. So I would say that you could probably count it even, you know. Cobra Kai, which topped the readings the week before, gathered 1.1 billion minutes in second place. The tally was a big drop to those prior weeks, 1.9. Well, yeah, it just came out. So everyone was watching the new season and they were watching the old seasons to get caught, re-caught up. It was creating new fans who were starting over from the beginning. So when you have an established show, you're always going to have big, big minutes when that new season drops. Here's what we have. Uh, Netflix is downward 3.66 uh, billion. So close. Uh, Cobra Kai with 1.11 billion. House of the Dragon at 1.008. Just call it 1 billion flat. And then again, that's without the HBO cable network, which like Prime Video doesn't have. So it's probably close. It probably is higher than Cobra Kai, almost certainly, because um, it's only like, what, 2,000 minutes shy or 20,000 minutes shy or whatever of, um, of uh, Cobra Kai. No, 200,000. No, whatever. You get what I mean. Um, and then you have, honestly... In the Dark, which I never heard of, 918 million, right behind Lord of the Rings, and Coco Melon, which is a babysitter channel, at 817 million. What is In the Dark? That's interesting. I don't know what that show is. Uh, it's a Netflix show that does not rate well about a blind girl. Okay, I'm oversimplifying it, but yeah. So we see. Rings of Power kind of steadily going down even as more episodes come out. What is going to be very, very interesting is now we're getting into the, I think this would have been right around the third or fourth episode. So now we're going to get into the episodes where like people are starting to get bored. Like when we get the new Nielsen data next week, I predict a significant drop off for the Rings of Power between episode four and five. We're going to have to wait and see exactly, but this is tracking just about how I expected it to. 
people are getting bored and tuning out, but not massively yet. Well, I mean, losing the House of the Dragon is pretty embarrassing, but uh, nonetheless, we'll have to keep an eye on this. You know, we're probably not going to get the real data, like the finale data, until like the end of November when no one cares anymore. And next up today, everyone hates Meghan Markle and it's completely warranted. I don't know if it's just that because I'm in the Midwest or because I'm not like um, a, a, a little kid who is obsessed with like, st st I don't know. I don't really understand. If, if there was a way that I never had to see any news about Meghan Markle for the rest of my life, I'd be, I'd consider it a blessing if I could. I don't have any idea why anyone gives a damn about this woman. She seems completely insufferable. Her husband seems like a uh, grade A beta male. And, and now all I know about her is that she was in the UK and now she's in the United States and all my UK viewers keep telling me no refunds. I don't, I don't understand why anyone gives a, cares at all about what this broad has to say about literally anything. She's not lived a life that's interesting. She's not lived a life of struggle. She, um, she's not supremely educated. She's, uh, I mean, like, what is it? Because she's, me she's like mediocrely good looking that people care. I don't understand. But when she says dumb stuff, I think that's always funny. So apparently all this drama is around this Meghan Markle uh, lady uh, whining and complaining about being objectified on a show called Deal or No Deal, which, which her entire job on that show is to stand there and look pretty. You stand there, you look pretty, you open a case. That's your job. Meghan Markle, former Deal or No Deal co-stars, now fire back at her claims that she was, quote, reduced to a bimbo and objectified on the show, insisting briefcase girls were chosen based on their outgoing personalities. Meghan Markle's former Deal or No Deal co-stars have fired back at her claims that she was reduced to a bimbo on the game show, only valued her beauty, not her brains. Wow, that's a weird humble brag. I don't think she's particularly beautiful. I mean, she's decent looking, but it seems like her personality is so garbage that it's got to wash that right out. Real Housewives of Atlanta star Claudia Johnson, who appeared alongside her on the NBC game show, posted a furious rant about the Duchess on Instagram on Tuesday, hitting out at claims that she made the show about that she made about the show in her previous episode. Megan, who appeared on 34 episodes of the show's second season between 2006 and 2007, said she quit because she felt like she was being objectified. The Duchess revealed she was forced to get regular spray tans. And wear a padded bra. Ha! I don't know about that. This other girl looks... Uh, anyway. She claimed her time on the show made her feel not smart. Maybe because you're not. And it was all about looks. But according to Claudia49, uh, that's not the case for all models involved. Well, what's interesting to me is, what exactly about your job description, okay? You have a job description. It says, you open a case. You stand there. You wear a dress. And you open a case, okay? You don't have any speaking lines. Nobody's asking your opinions. What exactly did you expect? It's like I, w I went and I signed up to be, uh, what are those, like the, the tan, uh, the girls that sell like suntan lotion or whatever. They're in Dumb and Dumber, Hawaiian Tropic. I'm a Hawaiian Tropic girl. And like, ugh. 
man, people are just objectifying me. What did you expect? And anyway, for clarity, yes, getting a modeling gig on the game show isn't necessarily about your intellect, but every show, the executive producers picked five models with the most outgoing and fun personalities to place mics on who they knew would engage with the contestants. And so, uh, and Dealer No Deal never treated us like bimbos. We got so many opportunities because of that show, the reality show added. And that's the kind of opportunity is of what you make it, she added. If you just show up and don't engage and you're going to get your check and you're not going to get much else out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I'd say. And then, like, apparently Whoopi Goldberg, who's probably, you know, <laughs> got to have an opinion on everything, too. She explodes on Meghan Markle for, quote, bimbo shaming. I, I don't even what it, why are there so many articles about this? She seems like an irrelevant nobody whose opinion should be completely ignored, much like Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg took a break from saying dumb things about politics to add her name to the list of people who have issues with Meghan Markle. Markle, before she got the now form, got the now former Prince Harry to marry her, made her living in California as a suitcase girl. On the show Deal or No Deal, her job was to stand still and look pretty. On Tuesday's episode of her podcast, she lamented that she was treated like a bimbo and not for her brains. According to Goldberg, she should have been grateful she had a job and not so quick to dump on people trying to make it. My point is, she said, if you see that and that's how you feel, maybe you just don't want to make other women feel bad because they're not, you know, maybe they're trying to make a living too. The objectification might be coming from you, how you felt about those women and how they were being portrayed. Yeah. And you know what the sad thing about this lady is she's going to end up running for some political position in the United States. I just feel like that's, that's inevitable. And then, oh, by the way, if she felt objectified uh, by standing there looking pretty and holding a suitcase, then why did she then take this next role? Social media users are calling out Meghan Markle a, as a hypocrite, for taking a raunchy role on 90210 after leaving Deal or No Deal, after being she was reduced for feeling she was being reduced for a bimbo. So let me let me just put this. Let me just. This is why this woman should be ignored at all costs. Okay, like seriously. So she claims she left this show because they they treated her like a bimbo. So then she's like she must have taken a really high intellect uh position as her next acting role maybe on some sort of big bang theory or doogie hauser md type show where she could really showcase her brains well newly surfaced video shows she made her debut back into acting world a few years later only to play a similar role during a brief cameo of the rebooted cw series the 41 year old played a character named wendy who was seemingly caught giving uh character ethan ward um, uh, uh, gobbling a little cone in the car, a little, little roadhead in the short clip ward played by Dustin Milligan looked shocked when his girlfriend spotted him sitting in the car, adjusting his pants as Wendy's head popped up. Some Twitter users are quick to call out the suits alum for taking the very NSFW role after slamming her year long scent on deal or no deal years after you left the deal or no deal for quote, being treated like a bimbo. You took on roles giving men BJs in cars, taking your top off to grill burgers and men's health, and tons of hookup scenes in the show suits. You objectified yourself, one person tweeted. 
you're not a victim girl. And then this other person, she's a lying hypocrite. Yeah, she is. I don't understand who these people are. Who is following what this woman is saying? I, I don't understand. Like, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get, I don't understand. I mean, either she's, this is what this probably is, is a, is a person has now gotten older and she's no longer getting those same job opportunities for her body and looks. And she wants to be thought of as some sort of deep thinker intellectual. That's why she got some massive contract from Spotify to do some dumb podcast. Okay. Um, except she's not smart and she did use her looks to get her career. And by the way, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but then to like go back now and pretend like, oh, you were just some super, super smart woman who just got all the bad roles. Girl, you took those roles. You took the gig, you got paid. And that's, I mean, that's the way it is. You see the talk show. And my point is you see how you feel. Just maybe you don't want to make other women feel bad. We talked about that. They're trying to make like, this is a woman that has never struggled a day in her life. Uh, never had to deal with, I mean, and she, so she's inventing this like, Oh, I was just this, I'm just this smart. I'm just so smart and intellectual and, and deep. And, um, I just kept choosing to take roles that relied exclusively on me, uh, you know, being promiscuous or, um, objectifying myself. Oh, ah, maybe I'll give all that money back. Not that she needs to give any money back now because she's got that Royal family money apparently. But, uh, yeah, I hope I never have to cover another thing this woman says or does. I sincerely mean that. And next up, epic fail for lunatic protester who Fs around and finds out. Actions have consequences, and uh, sometimes they're hilarious. Sometimes you screw around, like you get that, you know, that meme with the chart, like the F around and find out chart. And we got a perfect example of that from some climate change protesters. Now, I guess... I initially, when I see these like idiots doing idiotic things, I think to myself, wow, there seems like there'd be a better way to do that. But then I think actually, well, yes, they are dumb and we're going to laugh at them for being dumb. Um, but they are kind of getting their message out, except it's not really what they want. Like the message they're getting out there is that they're lunatics and they're not really keeping the conversation going. Um, about climate change or protecting the environment or this and that, you know, ultimately uh, they just get laughed at. It's like, I don't really understand what, I mean, these all must be rich kids. Um, they're the, these are the same groups uh, that go on busy roads where people are trying to get to work and then they like sit down in the road. Just, you know, here's an appetizer, okay? Together with 15 other members of Scientists Rebel, I have occupied the Porsche Pavilion at Autostadt. Nine of us glued to the floor and some of us on a hunger strike until our demands to decarbonize German and transport sectors are met. I don't, I don't assume this is in English. I'm Jonathan Grimalda. I'm a researcher in social oh. psychology at the research institute in Germany. And I'm here in the... Why is it in English if you're in Germany? The Porsche Pavilion in the Autostadt of 
to travel freely well, for nine euros uh, on the public transport uh, in Germany. And we are here because we know as scientists that there is a clear connection between the amount of CO2 emissions and the increase in temperatures. Mm, okay, maybe, well, that's for the topic for a different day on a different platform. But the, you know, and by the way, I want to be clear, like, I, I support taking care of your environment. We only have one um, and people don't do enough. You know, I see people throwing garbage out their car windows and things like that. Like, I, it grinds my gears. But then it went on, and, and like, and then this thing took like a hilarious turn. Volkswagen told us that they supported our right to protest, but they refused our request to provide us with a bowl to use as a bathroom in the center in a decent manner while we were glued. And they've turned off the heat. <laughs> People in support can't get out of the building. Aww. Aww. If it isn't just the consequences of your actions. Look, they can support your right to protest, but it would appear to me that they you have trespassed on their property. You have glued yourself to the floor, which clearly is just some... It's not really any kind of permanent glue. They just spray a little acetone on it and it probably just de deactivates or whatever. It gets it right off. These people aren't ripping their palms off for, for climate. Uh, and sorry, should have thought of that. Probably should have taken some Imodium and made sure you didn't drink anything because you knew you were going to be sitting there for a while. But this is what they do. They do it. They do a little demonstration to say, just a clarification. People in support can get out of the building, but then they couldn't get back in. Oh, no. Wait, are you saying that the corporation where you were trespassing closed for the day and that you couldn't exit the building and then get back in? Did you want them to give you a key card? It's just like, and you have this, like, how many Van Goghs does one earth worth? We're still contemplating the thorny brilliance of throwing soup on sunflowers. So earlier in the week, you had this, these clowns uh, who, again, always brightly colored hair, probably rich kids, throwing soup on a Van Gogh. Now, this, for whatever reason, is not a crime. I I'm not exactly sure. Well, here's the thing about the Van All these paintings have, like, protective glass on them. They're prop. I mean, between you and me, I, I would. I, they're probably not even the real ones. I mean, why would they even risk it? It seems dumb. Um, I'm sure that they have the real ones, probably in some vault somewhere. So these kids really accomplish nothing. Um, but the, these people do like the weirdest stuff. And then you have this one here. Um, wait, where's this one? Where they, this dude was like spraying orange paint all over a building. By the way, it looks like, I'm not sure that that's biodegradable or not, but it looks like you probably had to use some chemicals to get rid of that paint, didn't you? About 20 protesters gathered outside a store um, with many of them gluing themselves to the road. Again, this gluing thing. Um, a video shared by Just Stop Oil's Twitter page shows protesters spraying distinctive orange paint all over the windows. Members of the public can be heard asking, what are you doing? In a statement, several individuals staged a minor protest in the morning in the corner of the road. And, that, and like, look, and that's totally fine. 
like you want to protest 100% support that. That doesn't mean you get to damage other people's property. And that doesn't mean that you get to like impede traffic. Like I get that you care and that this is really important to you. And it's not even about whether or not I agree or disagree with you. It's just that your tactics are dumb. Like you're dumb people. This isn't getting anything changed to change. What it's going to get is going to get you run over by somebody who's late for work and sick of your BS. And then let's go, let's listen back to this compl more complaints. And by the way, the guy got ruthlessly ratioed, which we're going to take a look at. So just for clarification, people in support can get out of the building, but they couldn't get back in. We can't even order food. We might use the one provided by Volkswagen lights off random unannounced checks by security guards with bright torches. Police just came in again. You were protesting trespassing and damaging their property. And, but you had your smartphone with you, right? You definitely had your smartphone and you had high speed internet and you're just camping out. These are de our demands. The Volkswagen CEO adapted from our general demands, uh, adopted, adapted from our general ones. One support the introduction of speed limits on German motorways. No. Two, condone bonds held by Volkswagen from the Global South. Three, declare infeasibility of 1.5 goal. What? After 24 hours of being remained glued to the floor and nearly sleepless nights, my hands got swollen. The Volkswagen manager had initially refused to let a doctor in, but eventually accepted. You did this to yourself, you... Like... Who, on, who the heck would blame Volkswagen for this? Who? Doctors unglued me with care. It's not painful at all if done properly. I have committed to keep on with the hunger strike and our, until our demands are met. Hey, you can do your hunger strike all you want. Let's see some of the replies because these are gold. I'm confused. You and your compatriots planned this protest but didn't think through food and bathroom needs? And then the Volkswagen people are horrible because they won't provide you with things that you neglected to bring? Kudos to them for turning off the heat and reducing the carbon emissions. <laughs> And they're hungry and they can't get food, but are supposedly on a hunger strike. That's an interesting thing to point out. No light, no heating means less CO2. That's what I'd call success. Quote, we can't get our food. That's not how hunger strikes work, clown. I haven't laughed so hard at Twitter in a Twitter thread in a long time. Ditto. I mean, like, we can't order our food. Hunger strike? For a researcher, you didn't really do much research on the potential outcomes, did you? Enjoy soiling yourself. <laughs> on a hunger strike to stop auto emissions, but complaining about not being able to order food that would no doubt have been delivered by an entity using carbon. I mean, like, what? 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 Just to be clear, you're complaining about light and heat, missing pots, the ability to order food even... In, even if you were provided with some security checks while illegally occupying a building by sticking yourself to the ground. Sir, you are a true scientist. And last up today, liberal elite James Corden says poor people problems are beneath him. It appears that James Corden is a huge douche, uh, or at least acts like one. This is a story that like won't go away and it just keeps getting escalated and it's like most people look at this and they're like oh 
Hollywood elite guy who makes $40 million a year. Of course, they're insufferable. Um, but it's it's like gotten to the point where he had allegedly apologized and then he rescinded the apology. I'm not even sure. It's like James Corden keeps digging. Okay, this is via Bro- from Brodigan over at Lauder with Crowder. The quote, alleged tiny cretin of a man and quote, most abusive customer ever made the news this week when he was banned from a fancy schmancy New York City restaurant. He could have been quiet, apologized to anyone he offended by being a douche while when his show returns Monday and let it be. Instead, he got snippy with the New York Times saying, quote, I haven't done anything wrong on any level, says James Corden, which is odd because he allegedly apologized profusely for what he did. He also claims to have not read the social media post that even started the drama, which was written by the restaurant owner who, whom he also apologized to. So, liar? To recap, Keith McNally, own, owner of Balthazar, a fancy schmancy restaurant, went scorched earth on James Corden over the douchey and entitled way he treated his staff. It was over a silly mistake finding a dot of egg white in an egg yolk omelet. You know, do do rich people not understand this concept of like, you don't screw with people who make your food? Like, food has to be like really messed up for me to say anything. Like, let's say I ordered a steak. And I said, I would always order a medium rare. I'm not Count Dankula with this well done crap. But like, it came out medium. I'm not sending that back. Even if it's a $50 steak. It's just not doing it. Um, now, I, I, I understand that, you know, you could say you'd be entitled to do that. But it's like, I don't know if, I grew up working, working in restaurants. Like, my first job was washing dishes. And then I washed dishes at another restaurant. And then I washed dishes in this is the jobs you get when you're 14, 15, 16. You want to put, you know, you want to save up money for a car. Uh, you want to have some money for video games or for trading cards, whatever the case is. I worked and I washed dishes. I worked in restaurants. Now I will say, I never, I never saw any like retaliatory cooked stuff. But all my friends worked at Applebee's when we were in high school, and I definitely heard of plenty of it. So it's like, I don't screw with people's food. Or I don't screw with the people who make my food. Um, maybe once you're like so rich, you just don't care and you're like a jerk to everybody. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, Corden allegedly apologized to McNally and the owner lifted the suspension. But then the internet started doing internet things. Corden got Ellen DeGeneres as people came out of the woodwork with alleged claims about what a terrible person he was. It included claims of Corden, who is fat, being disgusted by fat people and not wanting to look at them. That's quite a claim. Uh, Corden announced earlier this year that he will be leaving a show in 2023. He tells the New York Times he might address the matter on Monday, but he hasn't decided. I mean, it's actually insane. You see, report James Corden, who is chunky, demands other fatties move to where they aren't on camera. It's open season to drop here to, to dunk on James Corden ever since news broke that the alleged, quote, tiny cretin of man acts like a douche towards middle class blue collar workers. The haters are coming out of all corners of the Internet. People are Ellen DeGenerasing him. The Daily Mail was gracious enough to collect the hate in one article. One complaint stood out. 
Haters are going to go through the Corden's bad trip advisor reviews and people got tickets to the show. Here's what James had to say in review title quote, his ego is clearly bigger than the audience quote. I managed to get in and I was seated in the second row with my partner. Anyone who is overweight of Gordon's stature or larger, let's say was ushered to seats in the back at one point before things kicked off. I actually overheard James Corden say to his staff, I don't want to have to look at him, implying they ought to move to another seat. Now, if that's actually true, that's super heinous. I mean, that's like, I mean, dude, take a, I mean, what do you think when you look in the mirror, bro? Like that's, that's actually insane. Um, uh, that you would say that, you know, if true, again, people come out and say all sorts of things. Like there were all sorts of people going on Reddit saying, oh, he was just, you know, uh, a huge jerk. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to know if everything's truthful. If true, it would be quite disappointing. Corden had assumed the mantle's defender of the plus-sized against fat shamers when he went on Bill Maher. Uh, Maher had done one of his common-sense rants about health. Can fat be beautiful? That's in the eye of the beholder. But healthy? No. That's science. I know this is a controversial thing to say in America, but being fat, that's a bad thing. Corden was not amused and spoke out on behalf of everyone living at their best large and in-charge life. Quote, I've struggled my entire life trying to manage my weight, and I suck at it. We're not as lucky as Bill Maher, you know. We don't all have the sense of superiority that burns 35,000 calories a day. Define Corden himself is also a fat shamer that besides being a douche to servers is nothing more than another Hollywood hypocrite. I mean, if you look at this actual article, I mean, this is just, this is just like endlessly coming out. And I wonder... Is this some sort of weird smear because he's leaving the show? I don't know. I don't watch late night television. It's it's completely unfunny and unentertaining. But you see this, you know, this, um, you know, TripAdvisor uh, reviews from audience members of the show paint a picture of an egotistical host who fails to interact with the crowd unless the cameras are rolling. Someone said his short organizers deliberately set unattractive people in the back of the studio with one person claiming they had overheard Corden say he didn't want to have to look at an overweight man who had shown up for a taping. I mean, yikes. You see this. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of James Corden. Went more to see a TV show being taped than I can see why some people are disappointed. James doesn't really interact with the audience. In fact, he didn't even wave, acknowledge us, or thank us when leaving the studio, which I thought was a bit unnecessary. He is clearly there to get a job done and get out. Atmosphere is generated by the audience. And if it's your sole purpose of being there, if you're not laughing, clapping, and cheering like crazy, that's your mission. You won't be able to hear James over it at times too. You see here, skippable. The experience was fine in terms of seeing a filming. The staff was great, kind, gracious, and helpful. Could not hear the host or guests. And Corden did, interact with the, did not interact with the audience at all. His ego is bigger than the audience. I mean, yeah, you can see... James, here's the original post. James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian. I disagree, but a tiny cretin of a man and the most abusive customer to my Balthazar servers since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. I don't often 86 a customer, but today I 86 Corden. It doesn't make me laugh. Here are two examples. And he talks about, you know, about the tiny bit of egg white and his, you know, and then he said, Corden just called and apologized profusely and he brought him back. It's like, did he not call then? Because then he says this. James Corden says it's, quote, 
beneath him to care about New York City restaurant drama, I did nothing wrong. Look, it's true, okay, if you order food a certain way and they and it does not get delivered that way, it is true that if you send it back, you did do nothing wrong. But there's also a way to do that. Like, uh, for example, if you have a rapport at a restaurant, you know, they know you're not just being a jerk, then you can send stuff back, you know, when it's, when it's wrong or whatever. But like blowing up at people and, and belittling them and arguing with them and being rude about it, like what he had said to one of the servers was like, uh, here, where is this? Uh, he, asked for his, he asked for a table outside. They took the party table. Mr. Corden's wife ordered an egg yolk omelet with Gruyere cheese and salad. A few minutes after they received the food, James called the server and told them that there was a little bit of egg white mixed in with the egg yolk. MK informed the floor manager. They remade the dish, but unfortunately sent with home fries instead of salad. That's when James Corden began yelling at, like crazy at the server. You can't do your job. You can't do your job. Maybe I should go in the kitchen and cook the omelet myself. Uh, the server was very apologetic and brought uh, the someone over to the table. He returned the dish. And after that, everything was fine. He gave them... Uh, promo champagne glasses to smooth things out. Why? I would just say, you know what? You can't treat my servers like that. And so now he says, oh, it's all beneath me. I haven't done anything wrong in any level, according to New York Times, so why would I ever cancel this interview? Uh, was I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. It's beneath your publication, he added. I mean... Yikes. He has actually had a long history of having like cringe arguments. There's like a weird argument, I think, with him and Patrick Stewart uh, during an award ceremony and all this stuff. I, I mean, like, I'm not surprised that he's a douche, but for a guy that makes $40 million a year, maybe like go out of your way to be a little kinder to people. But I'm not surprised at all. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it. And uh, subscribe if you want more updates. And we'll talk to you again real soon.